Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the LATA podcast. We've been off for a month or so due to the holiday schedule, but we've got a few great episodes planned for you all to kick off the new year. In today's episode, Roberta and I sat down over the break to shoot the breeze a little, check in with our 2020 bargaining interests, and go over a few other contract articles. You'll learn a little about our LATA bargaining team and interests as we start our new round of bargaining. And we'll be talking about Article 9 in our contract, working conditions, and then Article 15 of our contract, class size. Hope you enjoy. Well, we're recording this. It's January 2nd. Yeah. Maybe it would be fun to know if you have any New Year's resolutions this year. Oh, good question. Well, I did go to Jazzercise on New Year's morning. Awesome. So, I mean, exercise is always my New Year's resolution, but that that's already built into my DNA right now. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, have not thought of any, I guess. Just um, helping my daughter through planning her wedding and her elopement <laughs> to Italy. <laughs> that's great. And how about you, who also is engaged and going to be married soon? Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think, I mean, that's certainly on the top of uh, my list of things to do this year um, is figuring out what my wedding is supposed to look like um, with my fiance. And uh, I mean, we've always set some kind of goal, like whether it's an exercise goal or something that we want to try to build habits around together. This year, I think it's going to be eating less beef Mm. because we've just been reading a lot about just the way that beef is raised, it's like really bad for the environment and all these other things. It's not necessarily so much from like an ethical kind of standpoint, but more from like a environmental, maybe some health too, mm-hmm. right? So we're gonna we're gonna commit to eating a lot less. We might allow ourselves like you a couple. vegetarian all the way, or you no, just no, you know, can't we, do that. we can't. We we <laughs> talked about that, and it's like we both love meat too much. But at least if we're gonna eat meat, we're gonna try to eat it in a way that's. You know, our personal impact isn't as great, right? And and then we might still eat beef once in a while, but we'll make sure we treat ourselves to like... The good stuff. The good stuff and go. just do it a little bit less. Yeah, it's right? not worth it if you don't go for the good stuff. No, We're, we're big turkey turkey fans these days. We, um, oh, yeah? We've seen that commercial on TV for Butterball. I don't know. They they, just, <laughs> they do everything turkey. Ground turkey can be made, made into all kinds of wonderful oh, things. Oh, right, right. Turkey tacos, turkey lettuce wraps. I help make a turkey over Thanksgiving. And we just made some for a little New Year's get together with some friends the other day too. Now are you a briner or not a briner? All right, so the first time we made the turkey for Thanksgiving, we tried like a dry brine recipe. And then this last time we tried a buttermilk brine. Did you like it? Yes. Because my daughter's fiance came for Christmas and he buttermilk brined our turkey <laughs> and it was the moistest turkey we've ever had. Yeah, it turned out really good. Yeah. Uh, it was just it's just buttermilk and salt and you set it in the fridge in a bag for a day yeah. and then you just throw it in the oven. Oh, he had lots of herbs though. Garlic mm-hmm. and all kinds of herbs mm-hmm. underneath the skin and Oh, yeah, so he went under it. the yeah, skin. He and went, yeah, he went a haul out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really impressed with how, how well it turned out. So I might need to throw a link to the recipe or something. There you and go. So Buttermilk we, brine turkey. <laughs> <laughs> we have something in common there. <laughs> we can do that just like me activity Absolutely. from responsive classroom. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Right All right. We're talking about bargaining with the Los Altos Teachers Association. And the interest this year came from a survey that we conducted in September. Members got to give us their input, open-ended questions, and questions about a variety of things. Always forefront is compensation and benefits. So that is definitely an interest. We want to make sure that our educators are competitive in the neighboring districts and that we're being valued for our expertise. Also, we've had input into uh, changes in instruction and making sure that members are aware and have consultation to develop procedures and timelines for rollouts of new programs and curriculum that are coming our way. Do you want to speak more about where that interest comes from? That interest comes from uh, kind of a quick rollout of a math change this year, and the association has been quite verbal, not only math, but also our workshop models in the elementary and junior high, for that matter, and in reading and writing, as well as a new phonics program. We've just had a lot coming down the pike that's new, Mm -hmm. and we don't feel like we've been getting our feet solidly into a curriculum before we get have to learn something new mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and implement that with the students so yeah and uh, it's, the sense that i get is that teachers want to do what's right by kids yeah but they need to know like we need to have enough professional development we need to have enough support yeah. in order to make sure that we, we need can to do feel that experts stuff right yeah I yeah. mean, we're experts in how to deliver curriculum, but when the curriculum new, is new and the pace changes so quickly and rapidly, we don't feel we're as expertise as we can be. Right. So we want to slow that um, rollout a little bit and have more input into that. We also want to provide, you mentioned training, quality time for training and materials within our work year and our planning time that's um, existing. We always want more. We want to be able to have adequate time to assess students. We've been having quite a lot of um, assessments thrown at us at the beginning of the year, through the mid-year. I mean, we've gotten rid of certain things like the iReady testing for the primaries. It's really predominant in the fifth and sixth and upper grades for junior high for math placement. But the the... Um, Dibble's testing in the kindergarten and first grade was Mm -hmm. overwhelming and they've backed off on that a little bit this year so that's good to see but we we need more of that time it takes up so much time to assess students in that one-on-one setting that we're doing now as opposed to a group settings and so then that takes away from instructional time for students so teachers are very concerned about that so there's also a myriad of professional responsibilities that go along with just planning instruction and teaching. You need to also be part of your guiding coalition. You need to be on the site council. You need to be up on a lot of different things. So time, time, time. Absolutely. We also want to clarify those professional responsibilities for our varied special education teachers, psychologists, speech and language teachers, and other instructional specialists, the PE teachers, the music teachers, the roving teachers, so that their professional needs um, are clearly delineated. And also we make sure that that's appropriate for their teaching position. Yeah. It's easy to forget that, you know, it's not just teachers that are part of our bargaining unit, but in fact, we do have psychologists and some of our speech and language people and our ISTs as well, which is like a relatively new position. Yes. So there's not a lot that's, you know, in the contract that is specific to them. Right. So it's mostly geared to a classroom teacher, most of our language. And so we want to make sure that we have clarified that in um, some of our professional responsibilities. Maybe our working conditions area, would mm-hmm. we could have special 
areas for them delineated. Also, we want to review policies for class size and student contact numbers in the junior high. Caseloads are really set by the state for um, special education, but we also want to make sure that the settings are providing the most effective and sustainable instruction for students and teachers. And as the class sizes get larger, it is harder and harder to provide that special individualized differentiated instruction to all the different kids. So, you know, when you have a class size of 30 kids in a fifth grade and you have a lot of different learning modalities and differences and it's just it gets harder and harder to meet their individual needs mm-hmm. and that's true of a large case load in junior high if you have 150 english essays you're grading right so or you know even doing uh, running records with kids and mm-hmm. reading with them. Then we have some MOUs that are still on the table, one being the staff meetings that we've eliminated throughout the year that each staff has been able to vote about. And then we have our MOU that's about uh, PLC and our collaboration time on Thursdays for the elementary. So that sunshines our interests for the year. That's a term that we use in bargaining to open up and let light to the public and our membership what our interests are for the coming year of 2021 and so we're going to enter into bargaining beginning in january and we'll take it all the way through may we may have contract things to vote on um, before the school year's out but we Mm -hmm. may not it may carry on through next fall because it will Mm -hmm. impact 2021 which we're heading towards pretty quickly yeah and that's a unique situation right where we haven't had a chance to bargain a year ahead we've always kind of bargained retroactively for the current school year right so we are kind of a half a year ahead uh-huh. yeah we're starting in january of 20 <laughs> but which the, is a little later than usual yeah right but we're ahead right. for the next but year. our goal is to get us a raise for next year even though i know the district budget is tight and we're losing students which means we also lose money hopefully all the good work that we're doing to market throughout the district with the administration the ptas and lata and the teachers is working and we'll see if our enrollment you know there are a lot of variables that have to do with yeah. enrollment so. yeah i mean you've got the just how many families move into the to the area right. and it seems like generally california there's more people moving out than, than moving right. in right now and well and then people are stable so houses aren't turning over and also it's so expensive in los altos that we are not getting as many new families because of the the cost and that people are just staying put for a while. Has the district sunshine their interest yet? They have. They just did that the same night we did, which was right before the December break. And they really only have two interests this year. And one is being financially solvent. And then I believe the other is about summer school. I think that our summer school program has morphed a little bit and it's become a little bit more extended. And so we have one article in our contract specific to summer school and so some of the language might be outdated there so i think that's their interest there but we haven't discussed and explained our interest to one another but that's my conjecture and that's usually first that's the first first thing we'll do yeah the first session in january we will share our interests and dive deeper into what those mean for each of us who is on our bargaining team right now? Maybe we can talk a little bit yeah. about them. So and- you've heard about me, Roberta Pine, the bargaining chair. I've been here for oh, 13 or more years. Yeah, going on 14 years as the chair. And then we have Pat Corn, who is a junior high teacher at Block. And let's see, Pat has probably been on bargaining the longest, as, lo- as well as myself. And then we have Sarah Gerlinger, who is our new teacher mentor. 
We have Terry Pomposo, who is a fourth grade teacher over at Covington, and T Courtney Mase, who is a fifth grade teacher at Covington. Courtney has been on quite regularly, and Terry, I'd say they've been on at least five years. And Sarah as well, she came on probably four, five years ago. And then new to our team is Katie. Kislanka. Thank you. And or Katie Hurst yeah. um, previously. Right. And she is a resource teacher over at Springer. So she's bringing that special ed education perspective as well as Amanda Zongi, who teaches TSDC over at Santa Rita, upper grade through through six. So. Yeah, so we've got kind of a good spread uh, on the team. Yeah, we got primary. I teach third grade. I have a primary background though. And then Terry's kind of dabbled in both primary and upper grade. And then we have the junior high perspective mm -hmm. and then the teacher perspective from Sarah mm -hmm. and then the special education perspective. Yeah, um, to have two special education teachers right. on the team. One of these days, we'd love to have a psychologist join us or a traveling <laughs> teacher. And one of you music or uh, PE teachers that are interested, we'd love to get you onto our team. But we can have up to nine people on our team based on our bylaws. But we find that seven is really uh, an adequate number right now. So. Yeah, I think there's uh, chemistry is important and making sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah, everyone has a role. Right. So um, Courtney has been our minute taker. We have a rolling minutes. The admin have roles as well. Aaron Green and I set up the agenda. Although we set up agendas the first one prior to the meeting and then during the uh, end of the meeting then we we put together the next meeting's agenda so what we haven't finished or what's next on our docket to talk about yeah and we also have uh, nate williams who joins us on the team right he's not a teacher in the district but he's our cta representative i guess yeah staff person staff. and he ha is a labor lawyer by background and trade and so he comes to california is now it's his second year in california <clears throat> from the midwest but he has a lot of information about legalese and and state ed code and things like that yeah. as well as on the admin side there's jeff bear aaron green our human resources um, person and then sandra mcgonagall randy kenyon the business manager and then their lawyer, Greg Danis, who is also a labor lawyer, and he mm -hmm. sits on many um, bargaining teams throughout the county for the admin side. And he's very knowledgeable about other districts and their contracts. And, and then they, they had a principal on that team. Oh, Kimberly Attell. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kimberly. I didn't mean to forget you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a well represented with a little bit of everything on their, their side and our side. Mm -hmm. All right. Why don't we go ahead and jump into a couple heavy hitter articles? So uh, where would you like to start? Well, I've got working conditions pulled up because I think that's probably where some of our interests are going to um, fit the best this year. Although we haven't delineated which articles we're opening because all the articles are actually open this year. Our contract expires in June. That means that we can open all the articles. So if something you know kind of fits someplace or language needs to be tweaked, like last year we tweaked the language so that we would be in compliance with the law when the Janus federal case came down from the Supreme Court. So we can tweak anything. But just in looking at the headings for the working conditions, facilities, materials, and equipment, you know, that you're all supposed to have a safe place 
have access to textbooks, access to library reference materials, art supplies, audiovisual, which is kind of an old term, but technology definitely. Also have to have access to a mailbox in your school office. Let's see what other kinds of, any equipment that is necessary to perform your job. So that yeah. would include if you're a technology teacher, but it's pretty predominant in all of our lives now. And we can't live without it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Sometimes portable classrooms can be um, a problem, and many of our teachers do teach in portable classrooms, so we need to make sure that the heat is working and that the electrical is working and that it's comparable to a permanent classroom. It's not always going to be exact, but at least you have the same materials necessary. Mm-hmm. We also need to have recess and lunch provided for for us. Classrooms can be used for this poop purpose. I know this came up recently because we've had some very rainy days. Hmm. So the exact language is Article 914. The school board shall provide facilities for the supervision of students during recesses and lunch on rainy days. Classrooms may be used for this purpose. The district will attempt to provide noon duty aids where needed. Right. So it doesn't necessarily impinge on our rights to a duty-free lunch. Right. We get a 30-minute duty-free lunch, so you do not have to stay in your classroom with the students during a rainy day. I tend to stay the first 15 minutes, and then there are noon duties that circulate down the hallways. Right. And, and every every in. principal is responsible for having some kind of plan right. uh, on rainy days. Right, right. right. Let's see. You also have access to restrooms, lunchrooms, um, workrooms, and supplies. Telephone facilities, although I know everyone's on their iPhone these days, but you do <laughs> should have landlines in your room as well for emergencies. Sure. Can we <laughs> jump down to 9-3? Sure. Now, the title for this section is Need for Substitutes. Right. And uh, this comes up once in a while, how substitutes are allotted. Right. We've actually been pretty good this year in terms of having sub-availability, which Mm -hmm. is great. I know in years past, uh, it was a little harder to fill sub-openings. And I have to give Jason a a shout-out. I think Jason does a phenomenal job who arranges for our subs. We do have an online sub-system. It used to be a phone call in, and Jason would have to listen to all these messages that came in but now it's automated with you know with the internet and so we have a great system that works i tend to always call my sub that i know that i like and mm-hmm. make sure they're available before i put them in so mm-hmm. that's a tip but the district does have a policy it's not specifically written into our contract but the hierarchy of who gets subs first mm-hmm. and generally it's anyone sick So if you've got a PLP day coming Mm -hmm. and you've planned it, that's great that you've planned it. But for some reason, we have a high need of people are out sick. You may be pulled back in from your PLP day because the hierarchy goes people who are sick, junior high, elementary. And I don't have that right in front of me, but there is a a junior high in our contract is named as top priority. And then intermediate grades, meaning fourth through sixth. SIP aids, uh, that's an old term. We should change that as well. (laughs) School improvement plan is what SIP stands for. But I would say the behaviorist aids, we have a lot of those roaming around our district now. And then primary grades with with people that have aids that have special needs. And then I believe the SDC classes should also be a high priority as well. So if there's a shortage, we do have to go through this hierarchy. Mm -hmm. But generally, it's it's been okay. We have another sub pool that we can draw from that's outside of our sub pool and teachers in training oftentimes you know they're in their training system and they want to get some extra hours Mm -hmm. and parents we have a lot of parents that come in and do it and we've found teachers that way as well yeah absolutely 
Okay, then 9-4 goes over unit member travel. Right. We Predominantly, our traveling teachers are our music and PE teachers now. There might be a math, roving math teacher out there mm. once in a while. I don't know if yeah. we have one this year. In the past, we had art teachers and mm. home ec teachers at the junior high that would travel between two schools but teach that curriculum. But those curriculums, I mean, the art teachers are now, I think there's one art teacher that might travel between Egan and Block, but the home ec classes, so. yeah, it's, it's gone by the, the wayside. There are, so, there are a few middle school teachers yeah. that I'm aware of that, that do hop over between Egan and Block. Right. And then our our uh, new teacher person, she travels quite a lot, but she doesn't have a site. She has an office in one location. But, you know, you get compensation for your mileage, and you should have a 25 miles per day and mm-hmm. then at least a 15-minute travel time unless otherwise mutually agreed upon so that your travel time isn't isn't eating up your day. And I know traffic has gotten worse in Los Altos, but I think we're, we're to a better point. But I'd love to hear from traveling teachers. If mm-hmm. there's something in our contract that you'd like us to address, please let us know. Yeah, the things that uh, I think principals and those teachers try to work out, which is most important, is like making sure that they have enough time that allows them to travel between sites. And then when they get to that site to have time to set up. Right. Because oftentimes music and PE teachers are having that as well. So mm-hmm. that has to be built in. They also need their 30-minute duty-free lunch. Mm-hmm. So traveling time shouldn't be eating your sandwich in the car or whatever Right. on those days. Yeah. And at the middle school, I know it's like it, having basically one less class to teach. And right. that, that makes up yeah. for your travel. So right? first line of defense is always to work with your principal on that mm-hmm. and or your supervisor, whoever is supervising your program. Let's see, anything else? And then there's ed code that goes along with that as well. Yeah. Expenses that come along with being traveling. I think as a traveling teacher, you can you can file, you if you keep track of your mileage, yep. you, you can deduct that in your taxes. And I won't name names, but I know there's someone out there that just doesn't do it because it's a hassle. <laughs> But it's like 60 something cents a mile. It's like not bad. Yeah. And with gas prices going up, I, <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Then the other one is activities related to closing and consolidation of schools. But it was, you know, it was quite a while ago when we passed the first bond and we remodeled all the schools to some extent. And so this article came into being 9-5. So if members had to move their classrooms, when I moved from Oak and it was being remodeled and we were in a portable campus over on Blocks campus, we got paid out to pack up our things move it over and then repack it and move back in. Hmm. I'm trying to think what else is in here. Release time to do some of those things. So if for some reason we do need to close a school, which I'm not saying we're going to do, but now that we have that 10th site, I think there may be something Mm, coming in the next four or five years that we may need to look at this article again. Sure. And then any questions on working conditions? That's pretty short article actually. There's only six components of it. Mm-hmm. You can always talk to your immediate supervisor whenever possible and or your assistant superintendent of curriculum or if need be, Jeff, our superintendent. Yeah. And so that's working conditions. A uh, little known fact, class size used to be in working conditions. And I don't know if that's where you want to go next sure. and talk about class size. We are a little different than other um, districts. Our class size is not necessarily set. The only time it is set and clarifications about class size come when you have a combination class. 
So you're entitled to an aid if you teach in a combination class, like a four or five combo. My daughter was in when she was in uh, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And other than that, the other thing about class size is that each year when classes are being made up, every attempt should be made to make sure that a teacher who's had a heavy load of students with special needs or SDC students, that they, they should look at the placement of those students and and which teacher is going to get that. We, we've got more teachers that are engaging in like a, a co-teaching kind of setup yeah, as well. And that actually is not at all in our contract, mm-hmm. the co-teaching. It's been an experiment that's been going on. But in a way, it's also a way of the, the mainstream students coming into class. So it, it fits in that regard as yeah. well. And I, I, th- I figure it'll be a good opportunity for members who are co-teachers to provide some input to bargaining mm-hmm. because it does fit under one of our, our interests right. around making sure that the language covers special uh, ed teachers. Yeah, teachers yeah. that aren't well, just And Katie teachers. will be um, helpful there because she's actually, I think, working with that model this year at Springer. So mm-hmm. it'll be nice mm-hmm. to have her on our bargaining. I just want to point out in our class size article, Article 15.2, the school board and the association agree philosophically mm-hmm. that lower class sizes are advisable. Right. They agree to reopen negotiations regarding class size if the district financial situation changes, which means there's more money so we can hire more teachers to lower class size. And just a little historical note, you know, about 20 years ago, maybe 25, class size reduction came from the state of California with funding. And when the funding changed to the LC fund formula, mm-hmm. that pretty much went away. So we used to have 20 to 1 ratio in kinder through third, but statewide it was really only first through third and so as that funding shifted districts had to decide what to do and so they had to tighten their belts and our district actually has a policy by the board that our class size cap for k through third is 25 but that is not written in our contract but it's a board policy that they try to abide by in other districts class sizes are primary at 30. Mm. Our district class size policy, a board policy for the upper grades, fourth through sixth, is capped at 30. If it goes over 30, then they should figure out whether they need to overflow students to another school where the class sizes are smaller or whether there's enough of a need to open a new um, cohort. Now, in saying that, junior high class sizes are different because they're also caseload, right? They're they're, they're cohort. Because we have multiple classes every day. So it's an average. Also, if you should exceed a certain class size or even in the primary K through third and you hit 24, not 25, but 24 in a primary, you are entitled to a work release day each trimester. And that's actually not in the class size article, that's in the compensation article. Because it's a part of compensation, time compensation, the district will pay for a sub for you to take care of your professional responsibilities. Oftentimes teachers will take that during the reporting period time. And they can be banked through the year, but they cannot be banked for the following year. Right, you so, got to use it this year. Yeah, use it this year. So uh, as an example, I have 25 in my class. I was entitled to a day to work on grades or whatever, grade re- uh, reports, and I did not take it in the first trimester, but I might take two now in the second trimester. And then for the class size in four through six and junior high, I believe it's 27. 
Mm-hmm. So we, I think we covered that in our compensation article earlier, but that's really the only caveat we have for class size, except for combination classes. So, right. and you, uh, to my knowledge, I don't think we have any this we year. We haven't um, had them for quite a long time. Ten hours of aid time a week for a combination class, which isn't very much. What's that? Two hours a day, I guess. Right? Yeah. Let's yeah, it's see. a pretty short article. Yeah. It's like a page and that's change. That's about it. it. But we want to review those practices to make sure that class size can be as sustainable as possible because our class size is encroaching. It's funny because as our student numbers shrink district-wide, our class sizes increase because we have to have fewer classes. So I used to teach with four second grades long ago when we had class size reduction. Then it went down to three. Now it's down to two at Oak and a lot of schools and the same with my third grade now. Yeah. It's tough to find that that balance, right? I mean, because you could end up with three classes of 20 or you can end up with two classes of 30 right. and the same number of kids. And so I think principals often have a hard time kind of managing. Yeah. And I've it, lobbied many a year to keep, you know, a class because I'm yeah. looking also at the demographics of the students and the needs of the students. And this class would have been right. much, you know, even if it was 19 in that class, it would have been much better for the student outcomes, I believe, if the class size had been smaller. And you never know when kids might show up in the middle of the year and True. increase class size as well. Right. But then students also leave. Yeah. So. So that's working conditions and class size. Thanks again for all your time and for just how much you put into bargaining and supporting all of our teachers every year. Well, and just to put a plug out there to all you traveling teachers and psychologists, we really want to send out another survey soon to you to know specifics to your working conditions, what it is we are not helping you meet in our contracts. So be aware and please, please fill out our survey when it comes to you. Yeah, look out for that. Okay, thank you so All much. Right. Thanks, Roberta. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you need a link to the contract, you can find one in the show description, along with a poultry brine recipe that I follow and a link to our LATA podcast mailbox. Please drop a line if you have a question, comment, or if you have anything else on your mind. Thanks for listening and have a great January. Mm-hmm.